0: I'm going to have Ryan come on up, and I'm going to give him the opportunity to share from his heart. Ryan is, we've been working with Ryan for eight years, it turns out, and um, <laughs> uh, kind of a while now, and he's going to be, if you were here last week, he, uh, he's going to be working with our worship uh, team. Uh, he's not on staff, but really close to it, I think, huh? um, and he's just going to be investing in our, in our worship teams. He's going to be uh, equipping them with some of the things that he's learned uh, on, frankly, just recently. And so I really want him to share from his heart on where God has brought him. Um, he'll, he'll, he can describe it better than I can. So, Ryan, go for it. Right.
1: Okay. Here we go. Um, good morning. I'm Ryan. I know that. Um, I'm going to try to do my best. Last, last service, I almost preached a whole sermon. So I'm going <laughs> to... So, like Josh said, we've been part of your family in some way for the last eight years. Um, We've just been blessed by your church. You guys are amazing. Um, And we've just seen what God's been doing over the years and what he's about to do, and we're super excited about it. I'm saying we are. Well, it sounds like the royal we, but I always kind of include my wife, I think, whenever I'm describing something. Um, so I just wanted to tell you a little bit about myself. I love Jesus, right? Uh, <laughs> that was kind of like I'm preaching to the choir here. You say that, you know, um, and I don't know, something happened when I got saved, something in worship grabbed a hold of me. And I didn't come into church. I got saved in 99. I'm not going to do too many ages because then you're going to do the math. <laughs> but I got saved in 99. I, I didn't come to church knowing how to play music. I was a singer. I grew up in choir. I went to Benita High School. Sorry, Claremont people. <laughs> um, don't judge. Um, I'm in the 909. Um, so, but I, I got I got saved and I something about Jesus woke something up in me and I couldn't help but sing about him. Amen. Right? I'm a little bit of a musical theater nerd, so there's something about like emotion gets to a point where you have to express it in song, so it spoke to me in some way. But something happened to me in worship and experiencing the presence of God that I just could not get away of get away from. So I, I got saved in 99. I was a new believer. I didn't grow up in the church. So I went to Bible college the same year. And the first time I'm going to Bible college, they're telling me to turn to some book in the Bible and I'm using the table of contents. I don't know. This is how everyone around me is grown up in the church. They know all of the books of the Bible. They could write a paper on whatever they want just from what they learned in Sunday school. I don't have that. But while I was in Bible college, I got introduced to King David and I was like, whoa, I love this guy. He loves, well, he didn't know it, it was Jesus, but, you know, he had some things going on. I think he knew a little more than we know. <laughs> but he had access to something. He so loved the presence of God. He was called the psalmist of Israel, right? He so loved the presence of God, singing out there on the hillside with the sheep, just singing praises to God. He loved it so much that as soon as he became king, the first thing he did was grab the, tab- the, grab the ark of the covenant and bring it into this tent. And he started setting up day and night worship. He just could not get enough of the presence of God. And he could not, he didn't feel like he was making enough praise. So he got rotating teams, worshiping day and night, all the time. Is that crazy? (laughs) So when I saw this, I was like, yes, that's kind of what it feels like inside of me. Like if I could express myself, you know, like I have just my little guitar or something, but you put like... Chris Lopez is playing drums. He starts making noise, and I'm like, yes, that's kind of what it feels like inside. So when I'm reading about King David, and he's setting up day and night worship, I'm like, yes. I love the presence of God. And so when I first got saved, and I was kind of fired up in 99, right? That's 16 years ago. February 14th, 1999 is when I got saved. <laughs> Amen. Valentine's Day, the Lord has got a great sense of humor. Um <laughs> There's more to that story. I could tell you some other time. But when I got so excited about Jesus, I could not get enough of him. And I had all of these older believers that had been, they were wiser. They had been along longer than I had. And they were just like, oh, that's so sweet that you're zealous for the Lord. You know, like just wait until, <laughs> just wait until something happens that you didn't think was going to happen. And they were just trying to kind of like, oh, that's sweet. Enjoy it while you have it. And so I got into my prayer closet and I was like, God, I will burn for you forever. (laughs) This is never going to go out. And I'm 16 years later and I'm more excited about Jesus than I was in 99. Right? And we're singing songs like On You's Day from Michael W. Smith that just doesn't get old. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. This doesn't ever get old. According to the book of Revelation, they're singing it forever. This is a very present truth. And we have access. God's done something very interesting in music and in song and in worship. I don't know if we fully understand what's going on. I don't. I'm not an expert at this. I, we, Whenever we leave a worship set, all of us are just like, what just happened? Can you believe that? Yeah. We're like little kids. Yeah. We just show up with some instruments and some songs and we're like, we want to meet with the God of the universe. And he comes. It says in his word that he inhabits the praises of his people. That's not just really like flowery language, you know? Like, oh, he inhabits the praises of his people. Isn't that sweet? That, like, when the song's really loud, it kind of feels like God. No, he himself inhabits the songs of his people and the praise. And when we're singing, Worthy is the Lamb, we're not just singing Worthy is the Lamb because it's a good thing to sing. It's because when we do that, he comes. And it's not just like, oh, I sure hope he does. No, it says that wherever his name is lifted, he comes. Amen? Amen. This is so exciting to me. This is why, so anyway. So I, I fell in love with King David, day and night worship. This is 99. I got so excited about it, I started calling other worship leader friends of mine, and I was like, hey, let's do a 24-hour day of worship, like rotating teams just like David did. And I was just like, wouldn't this be cool to like, have something for the Lord, like, you know, and it did, I think I got like one guy who was my mentor that showed up and we just kind of slept in this church for like 24 hours, like woke up and tried to give a little song, you know, like I said, when I was in 99, I sang, but I didn't play anything. My girlfriend, who's now my wife, my girlfriend then is now my wife. um, She taught me my first four chords. So I had little four chords. I was like little David in my bedroom, just singing songs to Jesus. I couldn't get enough. The 30 minutes on Sunday, I couldn't get enough of it. I had to go into my room and just worship Jesus. Because he's worthy. Amen? No other reason. When you start worshiping him, you realize there's like infinity reasons of why we worship him. But so I I got this in my heart. I wanted to do this. I got involved in my home church that's um, very much like we'll go forever if you let us. Like we'll just keep worshiping. And people will be like, can we preach now? But... We're, we just love the presence of God. So that kind of was my upbringing. And then I kind of got introduced to the House of Prayer in Pasadena. Cheryl Allen, I met her um, through a couple events. And I met her, and then I kind of had led a couple of things with them. And I loved it because we got lots of time in the presence of God. <laughs> so I was like, this is awesome. And then I find out that in 99, something happened in Kansas City. They got the same Heart after David, after what he was doing. And it was, it started way before 99, but in 99, they begin to start 24 7 worship in Kansas City. And so, this is the the International House of Prayer. There's lots of information on it, but just stick with me on this information. He is worthy, okay? 24 7 worship. The tabernacle of David in the Old Testament is a picture of the modern day believer. So 24 worship and adoration prayer, this is actually our call as a people. Because of what Jesus did making us priests, we get to be in his presence 24-7. So what Kansas City is doing and what we're doing in the prayer movement is kind of like a prophetic act of what we're all called to. To be his all the time. 24-7. There's not like an hour that God gives us off that's like, this is your own, do whatever you want with it. You know what I mean? Thanks for coming to me. You have like a six-hour window. You could do whatever you want. No, this is actually what he's called us to 24-7 living for Jesus. Amen? Amen. So anyway, I get swept into this thing and realize this is what I've always wanted, is to be in his presence. And I realize I love his presence. (laughs) Right? That sounds like so weird. We, we are, we're in the middle of a conference right now. It started Friday night. Went all day yesterday. I'm here this morning. I'm, and we were just playing this morning, just getting ready. And I was just like, oh! I love Jesus. Right? This is 16 years later. I've been in worship services for the last 16 hours. And I can't get enough of this man who is real. Right? So... Anyway, I've, I've been talking to Josh. We've known each other. I've been with you guys for, you know, I, I look different every time I come, I feel, but hopefully I've hit a good place if I'm going to stay in this place, but got married and then you get happy and you eat, right? Okay. Anyway, so in the last three and a half years, God's been doing something with me in worship and changing my heart and I'm getting a heart for bringing other people into that place. And so when Josh and I are are talking and we're talking about, we get all excited about what God's about to do in this place. I get all excited about working with your leaders, who some of them have been doing it longer than me. And all I want to do is just encourage them and say, keep going. Isn't this awesome? I mean, that's probably going to be what our sessions are going to be like. Isn't this crazy? Jesus is so awesome. So, And then I have a heart for the next generation to get a hold of this and to go further because I didn't get this till I was out of high school, out of college, right? In 99, now you're doing math. Um, and so to start at a younger place, if I ha- I long that I had more years in this. And just, I've only re- really been in this reality of it in the last three and a half years. And I long that it was the full 16. God's, I don't feel any condemnation. God's in it, but So I just want to encourage you that something's happened. Okay, so all of this to say, I have like this one little announcement and you're going to be like, Ryan, that was the longest setup for this announcement. So all of this is exciting stuff. You guys, okay, just real quick. King David, day and night worship. A lot of the the Psalms, a majority of the Psalms in the book of Psalms came out of this reality of day and night worship, rotating worship teams, day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. Um, And a lot, so you see things like Psalm 22 Where they're in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle of David, they're worshiping God. All of a sudden, David, because it's his, you know, starts singing like, I'm going to read it. Is that okay? Can I read it? Okay. This just trips me out. Is anyone here? Is there anyone here that didn't, this is new, like the tabernacle of David? Anyone? Don't be ashamed. Okay. You all know it, so. But I'm excited about it. So Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> what does that sound like? This is, this is King David in the Old Testament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. Sorry, I'm getting some shadow on my, I'm going blind. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. And you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. And you they trusted and they were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by man, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> I'm sure you guys know where I'm going. Let him deliver me since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. You, your, from birth, I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. Many bulls surround me, roaring lions tearing at their prey. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. My strength is dried up like a potsherd Dogs surrounded me. They count my bones. They divide his clothing. All of this is David prophesying about the crucifixion. <laughs> so in the middle of a worship service... Thousands of years before Jesus is crucified, a man is sitting in there just praising God, and he gets a door opened to the crucifixion of the Christ. And we're singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 2,000 years ago, and we can have the same revelation of the same picture. There's something more going on than songs. We have access as a community to revelation of, the, of Jesus. Such detailed revelation... He was just describing what was going on thousands of years before it happened. I don't know. That excites me. (laughs) So we can go somewhere when we're together as a body and we're worshiping and we're singing songs to him. He can take us somewhere and show us things of who he is. Okay. Anyway, I think I'm going to get more time to preach next month. Is that that right? Okay. So I'll do my best not to say too much. Okay. So all of this to say, these are very ethereal like spiritual things and anytime you have something like this i could just keep casting vision forever and we could all get excited especially me just (laughs) talking about it but if we don't have a practical way if we don't have a a road to get on to get into this then all that is is just really hypothetical good stuff out there so we're trying to what josh and i are trying to do is is just kind of create some structure so that all of this cool stuff can just kind of happen but we have to have practical things in place. So one of the things we're doing, if, the, if you guys are hearing this and you're getting excited like me, um, March 21st, if you put it on your calendar, at 10 a.m., we're having an audition. So um, whenever I say audition, it sounds really weird in the church world, and we think of American Idol, and we think of voice, and everyone starts getting scary. It's not, okay? It's going to be super fun. We're just checking hearts and seeing how everyone's doing. And what we're doing, just to set a precedent, is anyone who's been involved in worship up until this point, we're all going to audition together. It's going to be like, hey, we're all doing this together. That way no one says like, oh, you had to audition? I didn't have to audition. I, oh, you know. We want to eliminate any of that. So we're just all going to do it together together. 3 321, March 21st, at 10 a.m. here, we're just going to have an audition, and then we're going to start building teams, and there's going to be some fun stuff that we're all going to do together. So I just wanted to let you know that. Does that sound okay? So all of that to say that. So I'm going to (laughs) pray. I'm going to pray, and then Josh is going to take it home. Jesus, we thank you. We declare that you are worthy. Lord, I thank you for this body. I thank you for this church, God. Lord, that your presence and who you are is the center of who this church is. God, I thank you that, it, that it's a, an example of generation to generation, that one generation would declare your praises, declare your works to the next generation, God. And this is what we want to give our heart to. Lord, that we would tell of who you are, we would tell of your marvelous works, we would tell of your marvelous wonders to the next generation, God. And that as multiple generations coming together to worship you, Jesus, and to give you what you deserve, which is all glory, all honor, all praise, all power. And so, God, we just thank you for this next season that you're taking us into. God, we're just as excited as I feel like you are. I feel your excitement. I feel your expectation. And we just come with that same expectation, that same excitement. And then we say, come, have your way, Jesus. Then your name, Amen. 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 Hey,
0: thank you, Ryan. Isn't that good? He can, he can preach too, and yeah, he's probably gonna. We're talking about having him preach next month, and I'm gonna lead worship. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed, but I can't. I have a problem with. I'm not gonna audition, guys. It just, it, I am like tone deaf, and I can't. I mean, I don't know how I can't dance. Anyway, but it's gonna be a great time. Uh, about three years ago, Mariah did guest worship for us, and that was the, I think it was probably the week that he, he moved over into the house of prayer, and God called him into that, and we prayed for him as a church. I don't know if you remember that, and uh, it was a huge blessing, uh, and we get to take part of that. So we're just, we're just again, we're really excited about what's going on, and, it, and it's going to be good. So, all right, uh, you guys ready? I don't know how much time I got. The clock's broken again. So, um, I know. What time is it? Is it 1230? All right. She's like, let's go, John. Come on, Josh. Let's just pray and go. All right. I'm going to see what time it is. I don't trust you guys. All right. All right. I got 15 minutes. Let's see how we do. All right, um this is like the last uh, sermon in the series on the Daniel plan and be this is a, becoming who God has called you to be or who God has meant you to be. And um if you're fasting with us, you know that God's he's changed you in some way. He's uh he's worked on your on your spirit and on your soul a little bit. Uh he's made me happier. Amen. So, yeah, it's not you know, I don't like necessarily hear God better than I did before, but I am happier, so maybe I hear God in a better way. I don't know, but uh, it, it's um, God's changing me. He's changing the way that I think, and He's the Holy Spirit is is prompting me to to adjust my attitudes and my feelings on things because I've learned something about myself is that I can't trust my feelings, and sometimes I even. Um, uh, I'll even accredit my feelings to the Holy Spirit, right? Have you done this one? Don't do this one. I can I can write a book on this, but just don't do this. Just because you feel a certain way it does not mean that the Holy Spirit is leading you in a certain way. Your spirits, your your feelings will lie to you all day long. The Holy Spirit does not lie, and uh, so this is this is why it's important to. Uh, to go through prayer and fasting and, and to develop an ear for the Lord. Uh, this, this series is ending, and we're going to be going into a whole, um, a whole season of hearing from God. How do, you, how do you hear God's voice? How do you understand the heart of the Father? How do you identify with the words that are spoken over you in the Bible, prophetic words? So we're going to be looking at some very interesting things, and we're going to be pushing our limits on how we hear God. We're actually going to be doing some some very practical training on hearing God as well. So it's going to be a great uh, next season. In addition to that, we have our very first prophecy conference coming up uh, at the end of April. That and, and May, it, God, God put this in Mako's heart, not my heart. I'll do this stuff all day long. He Put it in my wife's heart to do. So this is uh, this is an exciting time. And uh, one thing that we need to know, as we're as we're moving forward, as we're growing spiritually, um, you need to know this about yourself, and you need to know this about the people that you're in relationships with. And the truth is, is that you're complicated. <laughs> if you're married, you know this to be true, right? You know, guys, you know that your wives are complicated, <laughs> right? It's like, guys, are guys. We, we say that guys are pretty simple. I think we're actually pretty complex, too. But guys come off as having an on switch and an off switch. And then gals have, they've got switches and buttons and gears and pulleys. And you just can't figure them out. Um, but guys, you know, guys are, are different. What's the Bible say about this? Psalms 139. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex So God has made us wonderfully complex. The spiritual life was never meant to be on Sunday morning in your prayer closet, reading your Bible and your devotional. The spiritual life is holistic, and it involves every little single detail in your life. And so when the psalmist says that that God has made me wonderfully complex, that means that I am multifaceted, that my identity and and how I was formed, that there's a lot of different determining factors on on how I became who I am. And we we really need to get an understanding of, of, of our identity and how we were formed. And there's five things that we're going to be looking at as, as quickly as I possibly can, these five things that, that determine your identity and who you are—you um, you don't have a necessarily have a choice in them. Like you're, you've been—okay, here's the metaphor: you've been—you've been dealt a hand of cards. How many people have played poker? You guys are a bunch of sinners. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I did in my college years. That's how I was able to do my laundry because you played for coin, right? You played for, for quarters and stuff. Some, so, days, some days you were more, you were more clean Yes. Some days I had to turn the clothes inside out. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, but when you play five-card stud, you've got, you've got five cards, and you can't draw, you can't trade them in, you can't swap your hand with somebody else. Those are your cards, and you're stuck with them. And that's the metaphor of life. Life is a box of chocolates, and, it, and it is, you're, you're stuck with, with all these chocolates, right? You've got to eat the cherry one or the nut one, whatever. So life is a... You've got you to get, you get dealt a hand of cards, and so we're going to be looking at these five things that you get dealt and you didn't necessarily have a choice in. But regardless, God wants you to make the best out of the hand that you've been dealt. Usually when, we, when guys like me preach on the talents, you remember the story of the talents? Where the master gives some servant, you know, he gives one guy five talents, another guy ten talents, another guy t- twenty talents, and says, Go do something with them. One guy buries it, one guy blows it, one guy multiplies it, and, you know, good and faithful servant. We preach that to make you guys feel guilty about, <laughs> right? We preach that so that you guys will take, you know, take responsibility for yourself. But here's the good news here's the other side of that message. You're only responsible with the cards that you've been dealt. You're only responsible for the talents that God has given you. So this ought to make you feel good. So if you're under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure to perform or to feel better or more spiritual than somebody else, here's the good thing. You're only responsible for the cards that God's given you. I got a different different hand than Dean has. He doesn't have to play my hand. God is not going to judge Dean for for the hand that I've been dealt. He's going to judge Dean for Dean's hand. And how does he deal with the card that he, he got. And this is the amazing thing about our faith because it, it involves grace. And so God's going to deal with everybody differently. And so, why don't we do that? Why do we judge people the way the, the, the same people? That it, I mean, why do we judge people with the same rubric that we judge everything else? So, in life, especially in Christian life, you ought to, you ought to relate to people with the, with the deck they've been given. That requires grace. If I expected everybody in this room to be a Bible scholar and have your degree from Fuller, how fun would that be? And so we just got to, okay, you got to say, okay, everybody's been dealt a different hand. All right, so first, uh, first card that we're going to look at that you get dealt, and if you want to follow along in your outline, it's the chemistry card. It is, it is your biological makeup, it is your DNA. You don't get to choose your DNA. Isn't that unfortunate? Maybe someday you can choose your kid's DNA. We're getting there, right? We're, we can maybe we can do that. I don't know. I don't. That, that kind of that's a little weird for some people. I don't know what we're going to do with that. But that's not the point of this message. But regardless, you don't get to choose your DNA. I didn't get to choose how tall I am or how hairy I am. I, these are the things I just did not. I, I would not have chosen for myself. But that is the card that I have been dealt. And I, I'm a man of faith, right? And I, and I think if I've got this faith of a, of a mustard seed, maybe I can grow an inch. It, it ain't gonna, you see me getting, is it happening? It ain't gonna happen. It's uncontrollable. But there's things in my life that I can control. I can't control my height, but I can control, control other things in my, in my physical body. But basically, your basic DNA, this is the tan that you've been dealt. And God wants you to be responsible for that, for your health card, and here's the difficult part. There's, there's imperfections, right? <laughs> there's some imperfections. The world is broken. Nature is broken. We all know the economy is broken. And our bodies are broken. There's, there's, uh, there, that sin creeped into all creation, including our bodies. Somebody gets dealt a really bad card sometimes where you get a disease. It's nothing you did. There's no shame or sin involved, but you got dealt the mental illness card or you got, you got dealt the autism card or the disability card. And that's a tough card to get. Regardless... God wants us to make the best of that card. It's our responsibility. It's tough, huh? It's not fair. And it's not. God never said that life would be fair. He just requires us to do the best of what we got. So that's the first one. The second one is our connectivity. The second card that we get that you cannot control is your connections, is your relationships, mostly, specifically when you're born. Let me be a little more specific. You don't get to choose your parents. How many people would love to choose their parents? I got a, we got a couple of ones that just shot right up real quick. You don't get to choose them. You don't get to choose your kids. You might feel like you could trade your kids in, and you, want, you might want to trade your kids in, but you don't get to choose how your kids turn out. And you feel, if, if you're, If your kids turn out really bad, right, like you did everything that you possibly could do to pour into your kids, to give them all the opportunities that that they deserve to be successful in life, to, to ground them in faith, and they still mess up their life, I mean, that's frustrating for parents. If you're a parent and you did the best that you could and your kids still messed up, don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up god 's got a lot of messed up kids doesn't he so don't beat yourself up but yeah we don't get to, we don't get to, at that point and we 're doing this marriage course, which is the most successful course that we 've done in a long time and usually when we do a series, people start peeling off near near the middle of a, of a of a lesson. This one is not losing its attendance it's really it's really cool, and what we are learning in that class is The importance of childhood connections, childhood relationships that will determine how we are relating to each other as adults. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And the whole point is not to beat up your parents. You know, they got dealt a bad hand too. The point is to show them grace but to be responsible with the card that we got dealt. And to understand how we were raised and, and, and how we de, you know, did relationship as a kid and how we saw mom and dad do relationship is so important in the development of us. And so how we deal with the relationships that God has given us, whether it's siblings or parents or kids... Uh, Some of us don't get to choose where we go to school, so so you you have classmates that you don't get to choose. It's very important. And then you you enter into adulthood, or you enter into uh, the ability to develop relationships on your own. Those shape and form your identity just as much as your parents do. So your friends and those that you hang around with, they, they are... They're dictating who you are. Uh, Somebody said that you are the sum total of all your relationships. So think about all of your relationships. You are the sum total of everybody that you connect with. It's who we are. We are who we connect with. All right, the next one is our circumstances. Circumstances. Uh, you don't get to dictate your circumstances. Everybody in this room is extremely blessed because you got here. Maybe you have a car and you drove here. Um, Most of us had breakfast. Everybody in this room was born into incredible circumstances because you are in America. And you ought to be extremely thankful and grateful for that. I don't care if you're broke and if you're $50,000 in debt right now. You're blessed because you are in America. Turn on the news. <laughs> you are blessed to be a Christian in this country. Turn on the news. Don't watch it too long, but turn it on. It will, it will, you will get a healthy perspective of the freedoms that we have even as believers. So you don't get to choose what country you're born in. You don't get to choose what race you're born into. You don't get to choose what social economic class that you are born into. That is the card that you've been dealt, your circumstances. And to even push it a little bit further, uh, you don't get necessarily get to choose the circumstance of pain, meaning that somebody's hurt you and it was not your fault. You didn't choose that. Those were your circumstances. You didn't choose... To get fired, that just happened to be your circumstances and you lost your job. You didn't choose to be abused. Those are the circumstances. It was the card you were dealt. What are you going to do with it? Next one. It's important. I can probably flesh this out next time. It's our consciousness. Consciousness. Like we are given a card of consciousness, so it makes us different than the animal kingdom. The animal kingdom, um, argu- uh, I, animals can empathize, and you know they can love you. I've got I've got two dogs and two cats. I don't know about the cats, but the the dogs they think that I am divine. They think I'm God. They love me. They empathize with me. You know they they want my affection, and you know they want me to pet them and. You know, I want to pet them. I want to, they make me feel good, and I make them feel good. The, dogs, the animals are amazing. But as far as their ability to judge right and wrong, we haven't been able to figure that out yet. We know that, we know that animals can empathize, but they don't have the same moral compass that we do. Why? Because we were we are designed in the image of God. So there, there is, a, there is a, there's a divine distinction between us and the animal kingdom. We have a consciousness. We have a, we have a, like I prayed earlier this morning, we have an inner person, an inner man, or an inner, inner woman. And I don't think animals have that. We have something, we have a spirit, we have a divine spark that connects with the Holy Spirit. makes us different. And so we actually get dealt that card too. And maybe you can identify with this. Have you ever met somebody that does not have a moral compass? yeah. You ever met somebody or dealt with somebody where um, they don't really care about the feelings of other people? Like, people are a means to an end. So they will use people, abuse people. They will work a relationship, work a, uh, you know, a conversation so it benefits them. They're manipulators. And if somebody gets hurt, they don't identify with the feelings or they don't care. It's a clinical term for that. It's called psychopath. For real. I mean, psychopaths are psychopaths because they kill and they don't feel remorse. But there's a large population of psychopaths of people, and the only reason why they don't kill is because they know that they're going to get caught. But they really don't care about people. So my dogs are kind of like psychopaths. So, like, they love me, but they don't, you know, they do right and wrong because they don't want to get in trouble, or they want to get a treat, or they want to get rewarded. But I am a, I'm a means to an end for them. I feed them and play with them and stuff like that. But they don't—they don't get it. And when I'm not home, they chew stuff up because they don't understand right and wrong. And Jackson eats the cat food, and he—he he doesn't quite get it. But it's all—it's more than just you know our abilities to do right and wrong. What happens in our consciousness? What happens in our? In her mind, that I don't believe happens in the animal kingdom. And we see it on cartoons. you got the good angel on one shoulder and the bad angel on the other shoulder. And there's this internal dialogue. Don't do this, don't do that. Wouldn't it be fun if you would go out and party? Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. And then the good angel says, Don't do that. That that's naughty. You need to go to church and be a good boy. And so we all we constantly have this internal dialogue or this this self talk, and you're doing it right now. You're 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 talking to yourself and you're thinking to yourself right now, and you're thinking, when is this ever gonna be over? When when am I going to get out of here and where am I going to go for lunch? So we constantly have this internal dialogue going on in our our mind. We're we're constantly talking to ourselves. And what the the important thing is we don't necessarily have an opportunity to know how to talk to ourselves in a healthy way. Like some of us get dealt a bad card on that one. Where the only thing that we say about ourselves are negative, hurtful things. And if you talk to yourself... Or if you talk to your friends like you talk to yourself, guess what? You wouldn't have any friends. Healthy people that can have secure connections, they talk to themselves in a healthy way. They build themselves up. They, they've learned the secret. What David learned is he, he was able to strengthen himself in the Lord. Some people get dealt that card. Some people don't and they have to develop it. So God wants, okay, you've got a mind, you need to recapture every thought that comes into your head, you need to hold every thought captive, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your life will change when your mind is renewed. That is, that's the tough one. Um, This is science. If you think a certain thought long enough, it will put in a physical groove into your brain. So if if somebody is saying something to you, and if you're thinking it, and if you're thinking it, and if you're thinking it, and then, bam, you believe it, it just starts etching something right into your brain, and it stays there forever until the Holy Spirit can transform your mind. There needs to be freedom from our thoughts. All right, next point. I need to spend more time on that, huh? And then the last thing is our choices. We are a product of our choices. Every life has major milestones where you are faced with an important choice. And what you choose, and it could be the day what you choose today, how you respond to God today could determine not only, I don't know, whether your kids grow up in a healthy Christian environment or whether your marriage begins to strengthen, but it could determine eternity. Did you know that? We, we, we think linearly, we think that there's an end to our life, and I want to make it to the end of my life, But the choices we make today, they go on to eternity. They're there forever. So you are a product of your choices. It was a big deal when you decided what you're going to do with your life after you graduated from high school. It was a major milestone. And that choice that you made is dictated everything about well, not everything but a large majority of who you are today who you married has changed you and and formed you in who you are today the relationships that you choose say it again the relationships that you choose to invest yourself in have changed you so choice is huge And this is a huge part of my theology. I am created in the image of God. Imago Dei. God chooses and He creates. And I'm in His image, so I can create. I can choose to create a masterpiece with my life, or I can choose to create a disaster. I can create something beautiful, or I can create something ugly. I fully believe in the full sovereignty of the Lord, but I also believe that I'm a free moral agent. Why? Because God loves me. He loves me enough to give me a choice. So we all get dealt the choice card. How are you going to choose? So now we're going to look at uh, the winning choices, five winning choices, and they all relate to the five points that I just did. All right. We We have to choose life. First point on your outline, or the next point on your outline. You have to choose health. You have to choose life. So let's say you got dealt the bad health card. You got dealt a card that wasn't good. And, and you know maybe you got that disease, or you got that uh, mental illness thing, or whatever. You, you, you got dealt a bad hand physically, biologically. This is tough. You have to choose health. And, and it's easier to give up. Years ago, um, my grandfather passed away of Alzheimer's. And it was hard. It was very difficult on our family. He was an incredible man of God. And um, his body was just, he was 60, I mean, he was 72 when he passed away. He had muscles and he was ripped and he had a six pack. He was just, he was a, he was a health food nut. He was always juicing something, you know. Always eating healthy food, you know. He was just he was. When I was in high school on the wrestling team, he took me out in the backyard and beat me up, <laughs> for real. He outswam me in the swimming pool. He was just he was an animal. And then when he got Alzheimer's and dementia, it wrecked his mind, and it was really tragic because he was a brilliant man. He started a Southern California Southern School of um, of uh, Graduate School of Theology. So he was a brilliant mind. It was just so tragic to see him go real quick. Um, it was only, the, the thought was, oh my gosh, when the, when the doctors and the nurses saw him, it's like he's gonna live 30, 40 years because his, his body is incredible. And by the grace of God, he, he went quick. Uh, we don't know why. We, we think that he had, a, this is painful. We think that he had enough free will and enough drive to starve himself to death. He quit eating because he knew that he lost his mind. So I had that, and it was very difficult for me as a young man to process and to go through. And then a few years later, my grandmother, on on the other side of my family, dies of Alzheimer's and dementia. And so this put me into a really dark, depressing place, because on both sides of my family tree, I've got this really horrible disease. And I don't know what happened in me, but there was something inside that said, why bother? I am doomed. There is no hope. I don't want to get that disease. Chances are I'm going to get it. I don't want to get it. I don't want to deal with it. It would be better if I died young. And I chose not to live a healthy life. I chose death instead of life. And my attitude was, you know what? It doesn't, my body really doesn't matter. So I'm going to eat the honey buns and, and the nachos I'm going to wash it down with beer, and let's hope I die of a heart attack before I die of Alzheimer's. That, that, was the, that was the mentality. And I was dealing with the card in the wrong way because God says, I want you to make the best out of what you've got. And you've got an incredible body, and you've got health, and you have a sound mind Now. So, manage what you have now well. It's your responsibility to do the best with this card that you've been dealt. So, I had to choose life, I had to choose health. It was the best decision I made. Changes the way I think, changes the way I act, gives me hope for the future. Psalms 119, 73 says, You made my body, Lord. So God made your body. We all can agree on that. It might not be perfect. It might be broken. But then he goes on to say, Give me the sense to heed your laws. Give me some common sense. God, you made my body. Help me to follow your rules. Help me to follow your laws. Help me to take care of it the best that I possibly can. Number two is that we, in order to grow, in order to have a winning hand in life, we have to choose to deepen our relationships. All of them. Well, maybe there's some relationships that you just need to cut ties with because these people are not healthy, they're toxic. They're dragging you down, and you just need to, you need, to, you need to cut line and start over. A lot of good people here that you can connect with. But like I said earlier, we're the sum total of all of our relationships. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to choose to deepen our relationships. That's why our marriage course is so powerful right now, because we had 50 people. I think it's more. 50 people that have decided to choose to deepen their relationships and to get into stuff that's uncomfortable. If you're single, or if you've been through a divorce, you have to risk going into new environments. And I know it's hard, and I know it's painful. And you might be thinking to yourself, you know what, I I tried a relationship once, but I was hurt. And therefore, I don't trust anybody. I get that, but okay, so you got dealt a bad hand in a bad marriage, or you got dealt a bad hand because you're single, whatever it might be. If you are saying to yourself, well, I guess I'm just going to be single for the rest of my life, you're believing a lie. Why would you say that? Do you have good reason to say that? Well, I feel like I'm unattractive. unattractive." Well, that's a feeling. Feelings aren't true. I just said that earlier. Feelings are going to lie to you well, I don't feel like I could have a healthy relationship. That's another lie. God doesn't say that about you. Where in the Bible does it say that you can't have a healthy relationship? No, the Bible says that you can have deep relationships and meaningful relationships, that you can connect with people, that that you can love. The whole purpose of of life is relationship with God and relationship with others. It is love. Love is the key to to the whole story of life. So yes, you can love again. You can risk. Why don't we do it? It's because we we fear failure. We fear people. I know it sounds weird. Remember the last party that you went to? Like the last single party that you went to? Remember how scared you were? Why? Because you were afraid of what people were thinking of you. Maybe when you came into this church for the first time, you had this understandable fear, right? You don't know where the bathrooms are. You don't know if you're going to be sitting in someone's special seat. And so there's this, you don't know what people are thinking about you. Are they looking at me? Am I dressed right? I don't understand the dress code here. Josh wears a jacket and, you know, somebody's wearing shorts. I don't get it. Those are understandable insecurities. But the reason why we fear people is because we lack connection connectivity to people. We, we fear the risk of getting hurt again. We want relationships, but we fear the risk. We do it with people, and we do it with God. We fear God. Actually, okay, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is a fear of God, right? We all get that. The fear of God that, that yeah, I, I, there's... I, I'm not going to do things because I fear God, because I, I, I don't want to hold him. You know, he's going to judge me for the things that I do and I don't do. But when he talks about the fear of the Lord here, it is wonder. Okay? The fear of the Lord is this awe. It, it's what's in Ryan's heart that I'm trying to get out. It is, it is that wonder. It's the awe. That's the fear of the Lord. And most of us approach God with an unhealthy fear that's tied to a mean, controlling, manipulative father. And that's what we've projected on God, and that's what, that's what we fear. You see, we have to choose not only to connect with people, but we also have to choose to connect with God, to connect with Jesus. Jesus. First John 4:18: "There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear." And if you've been hanging out with us long enough, you know that God is love. God is love. He does not love you. Well, He loves you, but he does not administrate love. He is love. And his love is eternal and unconditional. And his love casts out all fear. Number three, the choice that we have to make, the winning choice in number three is to trust God no matter what. This is, this is regarding our circumstances, and this is the hard one because we will, we will allow our circumstances uh, to dictate how we relate to people. So if your spouse hurts your feelings, or if you're in a bad situation, you have a bad circumstance with your, with your spouse, you're automatically going to say, It's over. Let's say the fates are against you and you get Murphy's law like all week long. But God, I've been praying to you all. What's going on? You're not answering my prayer. What's the problem? The problem is we are not trusting God in our circumstances. We're allowing our circumstances to dictate how we see God and how we think about God. God is good, and he's good all the time. The cornerstone of theology. It is difficult to trust God in every single circumstance that we find ourselves in. To, to have that joy, to have that, the, the streams of living water that flows from within when your circumstances are, I'm losing my house, and my spouse hates my guts. and How do you do that? It, look, I don't know. I could probably preach on it all day long, but I can't tell you how to how to choose to love God and to be happy no matter what the circumstance is. But Paul says it best. He says, God knows us far better than we know ourselves. You think that you know who you are, but God knows you better than you know yourself. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked out into something good. That's the message version of the famous verse that we read all the time. He works all things to his glory and to goodness for those that trust in him. So you get bad, you get dealt a bad hand in your circumstances. So you get I don't know, I'll push it a little bit. You get hurt or you get abused. That's going to define who you are. That's going to shape who you are. That pain, it, 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 it's unavoidable. It's going to make you who you are. But the choice is to let God heal it and let God use it for something good. Because that's what He wants to do. If you've been hurt, if your circumstances have wounded you deeply, and if you've fallen into depression, it's hard, I know. But the, all right, we'll say it this way. When the devil works you over, when when the prowling lion has stolen and killed and destroyed something in your life, the choice is to give it to God, And let God make the best out of that situation, meaning that you will you will surrender yourself and your pain to him so that he can use you to minister to somebody else. Ah, do you see where I'm going? If he can use your pain to minister to somebody else and to bring somebody else hope, that's a big deal. And that actually mocks the devil's work. It makes fun of the devil. And God likes to do that a lot. And he wants to partner with you in making fun of the devil. So the next time you find yourself in a terrible circumstance, you can process the pain. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't ignore it, but say, all right, God, work help me through this. And how can I minister to somebody else when I get to the other side? How, when I get to the other side, God, who can I help? Next point, number four, we have to choose... I have to choose what I think about. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let, um, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. You change the way that you think, you change, the, you change your life. And we get bombarded by a million different things in our culture, and we have to choose, okay, what am I going to think about? Hmm? I have been uh, processing and, and struggling this whole week, because I've been doing this message, but I've also been watching the news. I have been struggling with the martyr's blood this week. Hmm? Because what the Bible says is, in Philippians 4, it says, uh, you know, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever, is, whatever is, is good, whatever is just, you need to think upon these things and meditate on these things and let these things transform your mind. But when our brothers and sisters are killed, they're, they're, those, those folks in Egypt, those, those men, those are your brothers, they were, they were murdered. My natural man, I'm grieving them. I still am. But my natural man is going to say, vengeance. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if this is part of my nature this is part of my character, but I want blood. Blood for blood. And if I choose to focus my attention on all the evil things in this world, it's going it's to leave an imprint on my mind. If I, if I choose to entertain my thoughts with things that are not pure, pornography, bad stuff on television, what's that new bad movie that's out? The, the Shades of Grey movie. Yeah, that's pornography for ladies, I guess. I don't know. It's like Harlequin romance novels. Remember those? Yeah, that's pornography. Um, sorry. I might do too much. Sorry. Sorry. Um, But the point is, okay, if those things dominate my thoughts and dominate my mind, look, there's a competition in my mind for what is good and what is bad. What is good needs to be carving these grooves into my mind so I have powerful thoughts where truth can be spoken, not only from my mind but from my soul and from my spirit. That's what we're after. So you have to guard your thoughts. You have to hold every thought captive. Here's the thing. This is this is what I think God told me on the on our on our, on the martyrs' blood, on our, on our brothers that were killed. I saw the pictures of them. We all did, and I grieved and I cried, but I didn't dig into the internet to see it happen. Does that make sense? That's probably the best way that I can describe it. I didn't choose to actually see them lose their heads. I chose to pray for them, but I didn't want to see the, the next step. I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm just telling you, that's how I processed it. All right. So we've got to choose what we think about. And then the last choice, which is the most important choice, which is the choice that I think everybody in this room has already made, but we need to retool it. We need to always revisit it. It's extremely important because it's the wild card. Like I said earlier, I'm a free moral agent and I can make a choice. And I choose to love God. I choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And that's, that's the last fill-in. You need to choose Jesus to be your Savior. And, and again, probably for everybody in this room, that's like, No, well, duh, Josh, I've already done that. I've already accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I've stepped across that line of faith. Good for you, really. And if you haven't, today's a good day. We can can take care of that. Um, Jesus didn't die on the cross just so that we can be saved one day, but so that we could live the empowered life. And as we started off, the the human being is multifaceted and extremely complex. I mean, even in these five things, there's a lot more going on than just that. And Jesus wants to be a part of every single facet in your life. And we're going to take communion in a few minutes. And when you take communion, maybe it is for your salvation today. So So you don't go to hell, and that you spend eternity with Jesus. Maybe that is for you today. But for everyone else, and for me included, there are facets in my life that I need to choose to allow Jesus to move into. There's this little area over here. There's this box and this, this compartment that has been there for years, and I'm not letting him in, but today I am. There's this area of my life in relationships where I don't want to give up these types of relationships quite yet because they're fun. Choose Jesus because you are the sum total of your relationships and you have toxic relationships that are keeping you from connecting with God. And maybe that's why you fear God in an unhealthy way. I choose to Allow Jesus to come into my past, into my circumstances. You see, when we choose the Jesus card, it's a wild card. And it can change the color and the suit of whatever hand that we've been dealt. If you have problems with your physical body, it can heal your physical body when you choose Jesus. And if it doesn't, it will give you the power to get through your ailment or get through your sickness or your whatever, whatever you're dealing with. And you could, it will give you the power to become a testimony for somebody else when you choose the Jesus card. And so that's what we're going to do right now. I want to encourage you to choose the Jesus card, to, choose, to make that, that choice of a free moral agent. Okay. I'm going to do some business. Ryan, if you're the band, you guys can come on up and we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to take part in the elements. We're going to have communion. See, it is communion is the most, for lack of a better term, the most holy and spiritual thing that we can do because what it says is, I am connecting securely to Jesus. It is the most intimate thing that we can do because it is when our inner person and his person can get together and hang out. When Jesus had the bread and he took the the bread, he says, this bread is my body and it was broken for you. What he is saying is, I've lived this life with you. I know what it's like to have flesh and bone and I know what it's like to need provision. And so when you take the broken body of Christ and you, you put his body in your body, Jesus is the word. When you, when you consume the word of God, it will give you life in every area or any facet that you let him into. He says, I am the bread of heaven. The bread of heaven provides your needs. So I want to encourage you today. We're going to do this song, and as, the, as, you're, as you're sitting there and as you're t- doing business with God, you need to do business with God. You need to say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ingest your word into my spirit right now. What area do I need to let you provide in? What area do I need to surrender to you and let you provide? And then you're going to have um, the cup. You know, in our relationships, how many can agree that we're, we're broken and we're messed up? Raise your hand if you're broken and you're messed up. That's right. That's Again, this is how we are made. We're all been dealt... uh, There is no perfect hand in the five-card stud of life. There's no perfect box of chocolates. So we're all messed up, and, and, and we need that help. But we're also disconnected. You ever feel like you're disconnected to people? And do you ever feel like you're disconnected to God? You know, whenever you feel disconnected to God, the problem it isn't necessarily your brokenness. The problem is sin. And we need to come to the realization that there's sin in my life that's disconnecting me from the Lord. So do you feel lost? Do you feel like you can't hear God's voice? And you feel disconnected? There, it's a sin issue. And maybe you're not even aware of the sin issue. But today you can take care of it. Because... It is by the shed blood of Jesus that your sins have been forgiven, and it is by the stripes on your on Christ's back that you have been healed. So when you take the cup and when you when you say, "I'm I'm going to dip this cup, this, this bread into this cup," and it is going to cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness, it's going to make me pure and clean, so that I can connect with the Creator of the universe. So during this song, spend some time meditating on the Lord, letting him speak to you, do some business with God, get your hearts right, confess your sin to yourself if you need to, and then come on up to the front or into the back. There's stations and there's going to be people serving the elements and you'll just take the, you'll take the cracker and you're going to dip it into the, into the juice and you can go off to the side and receive it whenever you want. You could go back to your chair, spend some time with God and receive the elements at your own time. But the most important thing that I just want to encourage you to do today is I want you to connect with Jesus in one of those areas, or maybe all of those areas. Let's pray. Father, right now, we thank you for this church body, and we thank you for the desire that they have to connect with you on a deep level And God, right now, I just pray that as as we enter into a place of communion with you, that we will sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we will know that you're real and that you're powerful and that you want more of us. And I pray that our hearts desire that we will want more of you. So God, I pray right now that the the blood will will cleanse us of all righteousness and that your body will transform us into the, the person that you meant us to be. In your name, Lord Jesus.